Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 205. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Brakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin? Doing pretty good. That's good. That's good to hear. How are you doing? I'm a little sick, honestly. Getting over uh, the flu, so I may sound a little more nasally than usual. Uh, I apologize. I'm just going to get through it the best I can. I didn't want to miss a week of recording. This week on the show... We'll be talking about a newly released indie, uh, Diamond Tongues. Uh, we're also going to be talking about some of what we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. Uh, got a couple news things to start start off with. Tonight is the the Oscars. Oh boy! Well, Oscar Oscar action tonight. Oh. You got a you got your you got your ballot. You have your Oscar prediction ballot. You're gonna follow along with and check off the ones you got right. Your predictions? Uh, no. What? I don't either. No, I'm not gonna do that. I don't either. I don't either. Um, so I guess most of you have probably been following this this uh, the whole Oscar so white thing and all of the the hoopla regarding the Oscars this year. Just like the Oscars last year, uh, seems like they didn't really learn too much. They learned nothing. They're, oh my goodness! I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about that because it's been drove into the ground by this point. But I did I did notice uh, there was one interesting article that I read on IndieWire uh, earlier this week, and it was that the so the Oscar the the musical performances typically yes. in, typically on the Oscars they have the artists who are nominated for uh, best original song they have them perform said song this year there's five nominees for best original song and they're only having three of them perform the other Mm -hmm. two are not performing correct now right off the bat that's a dick move it is a dick move. why would you do that it's even worse that you're like well okay who who are the ones that are not performing and of course one of them is a transgender nominee Mm -hmm. the first one in like 30 years yeah it's like the the uh, only the second <laughs> one ever, by the it's way. It's like, ah, uh, you really learned nothing. You absolutely learned nothing. But then, you know, to, to, to add insult to injury, w- within the same day, they're like, oh, we're going to have Dave Grohl perform. And it's like, who the fuck wants Dave Grohl to perform? Why? Why is Dave Grohl he's performing? Not even, he's not even nominated for anything. Why is Dave Grohl performing? Is I mean, you could have easily... Filled in the Dave Grohl performance with one of these nominees, or probably both of these nominees. Well, and it's just to pick to go with Dave Grohl, which is just why would anyone ever want to see Dave Grohl perform anywhere? It just doesn't make sense to me. Over Anthony, who's was actually nominated, who you have, you know, like one of the greatest voices of all time. You can be like, no, I I want Dave Grohl instead. Because we're we're learning so much with the Oscars. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> they just keep making it worse. So the two the two songs that are not gonna be uh, on on the the show tonight, uh, Manta Ray is the name of the song from. You said it's it's pronounced Ant- Anthony A N O H N I. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. She changed her name, so it's I forgot. like Ant. And Honey. And Honey? Yes. Uh, well, I, 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 I forgot that she changed her name. Yeah. That's, 
Kenny and the Johnsons. That's the song from Racing Extinction. It was a documentary that came out earlier this year and then the other one was simple song number three from youth and that was um would be performed by sumi joe who is a korean composer am i correct am i correct in saying that i i think i think i read that uh it's a south korean composer okay okay no but those so those two are not going to be there. no we're (laughs) getting dave Grohl. the ones that are going to be there Lady Gaga, The Weeknd, and uh, Sam Smith. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Performing songs from Spectre and Fifty Shades of Grey. And I don't know what the Lady Gaga one's from. I can't even remember. I think it wasn't. Hers was a documentary, wasn't it? Was it? I don't even remember. I don't remember. I think think so. But yeah, that Sam Smith song. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, what the hell? That song is awful and i and I, I think it's a there's a general consensus that that song is awful like we're I, not the yeah. only ones that believe that that song is terrible i'm pretty no, that sure it's just awful that song is just awful a lot of people came I'm out rather, and said that song's bad i would rather listen to a fan than that song an oscillating fan or a regular yes. fan any fan oh, ceiling any, fan anyway oh ceiling fan okay sure any type of fan. What about one of those kind of loud, annoying bathroom fans? I'd fucking rock out to that all shit. Right, all right. Still listen to that Sam Smith song. Cool. Gotcha. Uh, so the Oscars are on tonight if you're interested. Again, this is going to be the first year in a long time that I'm not... Uh, not only am I not interested, but I'm not going to watch. So forget it. I'll post the, the winners up on the site as usual, but I don't think I'm going to be watching them live. Speaking of awards, the... Independent Spirit Awards were on last night. Uh, did you did you get a chance to look at the the results of of these? Yeah, because I knew you were going to ask me, and instead of saying no, I haven't. Wow, I actually did. Did your homework? <laughs> you know, once in a while. So what what do you think of these these results? Uh, I'm not really surprised by much. Really, really, there's only there's only one big big highlight. Um, Maya Taylor winning Best Supporting Female for Tangerine. Uh, the only bit of the show that I actually watched was her acceptance, or uh, her um, thank you speech. Mm-hmm. It was good. Good stuff? Yeah. I mean, she's the first transgender actress to win a major film award, so I think it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I would say so. Also, like, Abraham McCall winning. Yeah. I heard so, his yeah. speech was good, too, but uh, I didn't. I didn't see the whole... I didn't see any of the show actually. I kind of forgot that it was even on. But <laughs> <laughs> they did, it does air at an odd time. Yeah, and it's and like it's it on, started at like three o'clock or something. Yeah, and it's on IFC, and it's I don't know. It's it's just a weird. It's always weird every year. But I might I might try to like go back and watch it this afternoon just to just to see because it's always fun. It's always a fun award show to watch because it's more. It's just so much more laid back and. It's not censored or anything, and it's just better to watch than the Oscars, in my opinion. Spotlight, well, yeah. Spotlight was the big winner that got five. Spotlight. All about it. Five awards. I mean, the definition of indie. Right. I don't see why I didn't win the <laughs> Cassavetes Award too, because it was such a low budget, under the radar indie. A bunch of fucking no names in that one. Yeah. I mean, That's just, just come, coming out of nowhere. <laughs> coming out of a nowhere. Complete surprise. We're like, who is this Tom McCarthy guy? 
And who are all these douchebags in this movie? I never heard any of these people. Uh, Mark Ruffalo? What? what? Michael Keaton? Keaton? Holy shit. I mean, talk about a guy that's been up and coming. <laughs> Between Birdman and this? Whew. Quite a career ahead of him. <laughs> uh, newcomer Michael Keaton. Uh, anyway, so that, that got Best Feature, Best Director, Best Editing, Best Screenplay. And it also got the Robert Altman Award for Best Ensemble. Uh, you know, I liked Spotlight quite a bit. I'm not sure if I would give it Best Director or Best Editing or Best Screenplay. I would give it the Robert Altman Award. Sure. Because <laughs> sure. it's definitely an ensemble. Yeah, I would, I would give it that. I don't think that was... That was... <laughs> The thing about that is, like, they they just give that away. I don't think there's there's I don't think there's nominees for that category. I think they just give it to one movie. Yeah, every year. But I just love that it's because you know the ensemble that they're able to put together is because they have money, which just seems odd to be an independent spirit award. But whatever. Best ensemble should have went to fucking stinking heaven. That's what should have went to. There's a movie with a good ensemble. I feel like it should have went to Wet Hot American Summer, the <laughs> Netflix series. There you go. Uh, I don't know. I, I it's weird because I don't I don't think of Spotlight as being independent at all. Like to me, if you're nominated for some Oscars, you're not independent. Like because I don't think that like they would have even noticed you if you were. Uh, but also, it just doesn't. I want to know what the definition of this is. Like, wh- what is the definition of independent according to uh, film film independent here? Like, is it like independently funded? They just want people on their awards show. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's. I feel like as the years have gone by with the, the Spirit Awards, the the whole in the, the term independence become very murk, murky. Yeah, and I just. I don't really know. It, it's hard to really complain because I, I did like Spotlight. I thought it was a great movie. And I, I think that it does deserve p- praise. But it's like, I don't know. Does I, f- I feel like when you have a heavy hitter like that that comes in, it's, these smaller movies like Tangerine just don't have a chance in hell. Yeah. At least it wasn't Carol. I mean, Carol got nominated for tons tons of awards. And it only won, I think, one for cinematography. And the cinematography was quite good in Carol. I, st- I still think it follows had better cinematography. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so that's the Spirit Awards. And that's pretty much all I have for news as well. They did announce today that the new Wolverine movie is going to be rated R. Why? But Why the- do we need more Wolverine movies? So... Well, they've been planning the third Wolverine movie for a while. It's going to be the last one, and it's going to be the last, uh, supposedly the last time Hugh Jackman is going to be playing Wolverine. He's been playing a role for 16 years. This is ridiculous. The funny thing is they said that they had planned to make it R-rated from the beginning, and it wasn't because Deadpool was such a wild success. And I'm like, come on. Yeah, right, guys. You were there's no way you were planning on making Wolverine three rated R until you saw how how successful an R rated movie can be, and then you're like, okay, well let's just let's just go for it because I feel like they wanted to make the last Wolverine movie rated R, and they just they ended up wussing out. 
Uh, the last Wolverine movie was good. I mean, it was it was quite good. Um, I, th- I, have to I, check I, it out there. I think you would even like it, except for the end. The end, the end is not great, and it kind of falls apart. But up until the end, it's great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't really have any trailers to to talk about this week either. So we can go ahead and just jump right into our review for the week. We're talking about Diamond Tongues, Canadian independent film, Canadian same indie. In the same vein, much in the same vein of Spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> just straight up indie. Uh, I think this is going to be a first, comparing Diamond Tongues to Spotlight. <laughs> they just uh, have that independent spirit, you know? They do. They they both do have that spirit. So this is directed by Pavan Mundi and Brian Robertson. I have a synopsis here. Edith dreams of being a successful actress but can't seem to make things happen. When she can't figure out what she's doing wrong, she begins to do everything wrong. This stars Leah Faye Goldstein, Nick Flanagan, Leah Wildman, Adam Gerfinkel. Kevin. Ah. You you picked this one out this week, so let's let's start it with you. What uh, what'd you think of Diamond Tongues? Uh for the most part I enjoyed it. Um it's I will say that it uh it's a bit long. And it doesn't I thought so too. It doesn't seem to That's weird. To add or build anything along that uh along that runtime. So I don't know if that runtime's necessarily uh needed to be there it's an hour and 40 minutes by the way it is an hour and 40 minutes and it's a bit it becomes a bit one note a little bit long in the tooth because of it yeah um but for the most part i enjoyed it i did enjoy it i thought the 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 performance there from uh leah fake goldstein was quite strong Mm -hmm. which i think i think helped it out a lot kept things kept things entertaining interesting Especially the the um, the relationship that she has with her friend there, which I can't remember what that guy's name was. And I feel like an asshole. Um, when they would just kind of hang out and banter. Yeah, was it, it Nick? Was great? Was Nick the guy? It might have been Nick. I probably should have wrote that down. I know who you're talking about. Unfortunately, I, the <laughs> listeners probably don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. If you're to watch the movie, okay, throughout throughout. Uh, there's these little breaks, little respites of her just kind of hanging out with a friend of hers, and they just shoot the shit, good time banter stuff going on, which I thought were the the highlights of the of the film. Everything felt everything felt uh, felt real natural and breezy. Yeah, uh, I I liked this movie for the most part as well. I I thought that uh, Leah Faye Goldstein's character she was she was kind of a kind of an endearing character you you you're never really sure if at least i was never really sure if i liked her or not because <laughs> she she had this kind of uh she had this kind of cute charm about her where it, it was hard not to like her but at the same time she just seemed like a shitty person well yeah and that's because you kind of you kind of figure out more and more of well number one what she, what she does some of the choices that she makes which are terrible choices and should not she should not be doing um so it's almost like trying to it's almost as if they're trying to force you like you kind of start out liking her and like oh she's just having a rough go of it and she's trying to make it and things are tough but you know she keeps soldiering on and then 
it's almost as if the movie has, you know, she's doing these things and it's like, do you still like her? Are you sure you still like her? Right. Yeah. Almost making, you know, making it difficult for you. She is on kind of a downward spiral. Yeah. You know, to stay on her side. And then even the, having these like little things that go on throughout that you just think are just things that are happening. Like the, like the phone calls that she's getting. And then it's kind of unearthed what that's all about. You know what I mean? It's like throughout the whole thing, it just seems like a small thing. It's like, well, that's just, that's weird that she has to deal with that too. Yeah. I thought that that was uh, a really, really great way to, to end the movie with that kind of uh, reveal. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that really worked for me. I, I was like, Oh, that just it wraps everything up so yeah. so nicely because <laughs> it pretty much like that that simple thing just encapsulates kind of her 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 uh, her personality and her state of being. Yeah, because then it makes you go. You know, you see her in a completely different light. Yeah, and I mean, you are they're already working up towards that by you know some of the the actions that she makes it already make you start to to question her, but that kind of solidifies it as to okay, I have to question everything now. It's just not a matter of what I've seen, but it's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because at first it seems like, oh man, she's just, like you said, she's just having a rough go of things. She's really trying to make it. She's been at this. She's been trying to become, she'd been trying to have her big break for the last four years. And, you know, she's, she is around her friends and her, her ex-boyfriend who has no interest in acting at all. And he's act, been acting for what did they say? Like three weeks? Or something? <laughs> yeah, like three weeks. <laughs> he's been acting for three weeks, and he lands the the lead in a feature. And it's like all of these people around her are all of a sudden becoming more successful than her, and she's just starting to crack from it. But then you start to realize, like, uh, it's it's not just that that's stressing her out. There's there's some kind of uh, deeper issues at work here. Yeah. And it kind of, you start to realize that, you know, she's not really, you know, getting her break or, you know, finding any sort of success. And it's not because of, you know, people around her or anything like that. It all stems from her. Right. Really. Right. Because she is, let's be honest, she's a terrible actress. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, not her as in, in real life. I mean, the character. Yeah, the she, character that she plays. She, yeah, she's not good. I mean, you don't get to see much of it, but at the same time, what what little bit you do get to see, yeah, not that good. I mean, just in the little rehearsal, like the two-second rehearsal she does with her ex-boyfriend, Ben, uh, he, like that was, he was so much better than her. It's like, no wonder he got the role and she is well, floundering. And, well, that, and you get a little bit of why she is that way, where, you know, they're kind of showing her at home you know, running lines or whatever. And she runs line for like a minute, maybe. Yeah. And then she's like, I'm done. And yeah. then even her friends are like, Hey, do you want, yeah, and she's like, no, do you want to work on this? And she's like, no, nah, I'd rather not. You know, she's just, she's not putting in like any of the effort that she needs to be put in. But then, you know, she's going around and pointing the finger at everyone else, which I did. I did appreciate like at the very end where, you know, they have this whole big scene of where she has this realization. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to mention. She I, is and what she's been doing. I, th- I thought that what she, she the said there... That's handled, I thought was quite well, too. Yeah, I thought that what she said there was, was kind of poignant. I'm not going to 
repeat what it was for fear of spoilers, but I thought what she said there, when she kind of came to that realization, was uh, was pretty poignant. I I liked that. So yeah, that worked worked for me too. But as far as like the tone, the visual style, all of that, uh, you know, this to me this felt like a pretty pretty standard indie. I feel like there have been you could you could probably lump this with um, with a lot of the kind of female centric indie comedies that we've been seeing lately. Yeah, I would I would definitely say so. Yeah, there's not there's not much um, in the ways of cinematography there you're gonna really get you get you too excited. You know, it's pretty standard fare. There's some slow motion montages and stuff that happen. Yeah, some music montages and things that. They, they a little flare, flare it up a little bit. Flare in there, drop some acid. Yeah, there is an acid trip scene, and it's not annoying like most <laughs> acid trip scenes that that I see in movies. No, because they do the best thing that when you you know someone goes on a drug trip or something, you you mute them and you don't get to hear what they're saying. Right, which is a good thing. Well, also, what what a lot of movies tend to try to do is they try to show the acid trip from the perspective of the person that is tripping. So, you know, you see the hallucinations and all that stuff. I'm more entertained by yeah, you just see them from, the other, <laughs> from the outsider watching the person have the acid trip and act like an idiot. Yeah, and I do That's enjoy that her friend, the one that we're talking about that has they have the good banter and everything, he's a stand-up comic, and I guess he decides to do some stand-up. Yeah doing an acid trip and she joins them on stage yeah that was and, funny and, and does some stool work some stool work <laughs> some yeah. stool work on there yeah yeah was... yeah overall pretty good pretty good stuff yeah and uh, i did i did like her realization too is when she finally gets like what's what she thinks might be her big break when you know they're finally gonna screen one of her movies which is called Diamond Tongues. Mm-hmm. And, and she kind of has that realization afterwards that she is not good. No. <laughs> and that movie looked ridiculous. Yes. Yes, it did. I wanted to see more of that movie, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yes. As did I. Because it seemed like a ridiculous The Room knockoff. It did. Yeah. Did have shades of The Room in there. Because the other guy was pretty horrible, too. Oh, he was he was even worse. Yeah. Uh, so this is available to watch on Fandor. You can get it on your Fandor. Then. So if you have yeah. a uh, Fandor account, can check that out. It when did it, when did this come out originally? I think, it, I think it came out on like the nineteenth or something, like a New York run, a little New York run. Oh yeah, okay. So it had a little run here in in New York on uh, the nineteenth, a little limited release. And now it's on Fandor, so you can check it out there. It originally screened at the Slamdance Film Festival last year. How did I miss this? I don't know. I saw. I thought I saw everything from last year's Slamdance. Interesting. You missed this one. Yeah, I missed this one. Huh. Um, any final thoughts on Diamond Tongues? I would suggest it. Yeah. I'd definitely check it out. Uh, light recommend for me on this one. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. was a little, little bit... A little bit too long. It's it started losing me, uh, but it it uh, it pulled me back in by the end. So uh, the and the, the the finale, the way that they wrapped everything up, I thought was was pretty solid. Good way to end it. So I would agree. Yeah, worth checking out. Let's give this thing a score. 
I'm going to go ahead and give Diamond Tongues a six and a half out of ten. Yeah, I'm going to go six and a half, seven. All right. There you go. Check it out. Diamond Tongues. Diamond Tongues. Diamond Tongues. Not to be confused with Silver Tongues. Don't do it. So Actually, Silver Tongues is supposed to be pretty good. Okay. Another indie. We've got all sorts of tongues going on in the indie world. Tongues for days. Let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Kevin, you're up this week. And I noticed that you did not update your, <laughs> your diary on Letterboxd. <laughs> so I have no idea what you've watched. Whoops. And I don't, I can't quite remember where I stopped off on the last show because I had so much stuff. And I thought, like, oh, this watch list is running kind of long. So I'll just, I'll stop it here. But I don't think I talked about Death by Hanging. No. 1968's Oshiba. Uh, this is, and I reviewed this because we, we, I did a, a Criterion Blu ray review for this one. Um, and then after I wrote that review, I was like, oh, let me watch the movie. So. Death by Hanging. <laughs> yeah, just a heads up. When I when I do uh, Criterion reviews, I don't watch the movie. I just watch the special features. That's it. That's, uh, all, you, you should, honestly, that's all you should care about, right? Honestly, I mean, if you're going to buy the DVD, you should either A, already know, already, the, movie. Already know the movie and you like it. I'm not going to review the movie. That seems pointless. Yeah. Blu-ray reviews are product reviews. That's That's what they are. If you if you want to know if the movie's good or not, read a review about the movie. Yeah, because I mean it came out in '68, so there's plenty of <laughs> yeah. there's plenty of writings about Death by Hanging. I do. Hell, you I, can't I even do. just go on the the best thing if you know you just go on to Criterion where they have like pretty much all the essays you can just read on the website for the movie. You know the ones that that's going to be included on the Blu-ray itself or the DVD, whatever one you buy. You could just read that. Yeah. And uh, Death by Hang, I would go out and say that this is probably one of my, out of all the Oshibas that I've seen so far, this is one of the best. It's incredibly dense. There's so much going on in this movie. It's just incredible how much he's able to pack into this. Uh, cinematography is gorgeous. And the, the, the transfer that Criterion does, I mean, it is pristine, so crisp, black and white. Um, and he goes over, I mean, he dips his toes into like the nature of existence, Japanese-Korean relations, uh, Japanese imperialism, issues of accountability, uh, kind of the, it's like a discussion on the death penalty, uh, religions in there. I mean, it has so many things packed into this. And it, essentially what the, the story is, is that there's this Korean prisoner and it's day of his execution. He's going to be hanged. They hang him, but he doesn't die. But they already did his last rites and everything, and his his soul's with God now. So he's essentially a soulless man. And then when he comes back to, he doesn't recognize himself as the person that he is. So they essentially have to go through this whole, they have to make him realize who he is in order for them to to, to do a do-over, essentially, and hang him again. So they're desperately trying to prove this man's existence to him in order that they can hang them again so that they can kill them and get it right this time in their minds. And then it all gets a bit, it's, you got all that going on. And then he puts in this like black comedy to it, which it's a lot funnier than it should be, or really has any right to be, but he just, he mixes it so well. And then it even gets a bit bizarre towards the end where 
you know, we're having hallucinations and stuff. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible. I would definitely check it out. Hmm, cool. And that's uh, Death by Hanging out now on Criterion. And if you want to know if the Criterion's worth getting, read Kevin's review. Which it is worth getting. There you go. Uh, so I saw, no, I didn't see a lot of stuff this week. I've been, uh, when I have the flu, it's like basically all I did this week was sleep. So I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of stuff. I watched Blood Diner from 1987, directed by Jackie Kong. Blood Diner? Yeah. This is an interesting one. Uh, first, they eat you. Or first they greet you, then they eat you. Well, I fuck that up. First they eat you, <laughs> then they greet you. Uh, so this is, oh man, this is such a weird. It's kind of a, an '80s horror comedy of sorts. Basically, these two brothers they have this crazy Egyptian uncle who ended up murdering a bunch of women, and then the cops shot him. And the two brothers, when they get older, they dig up the corpse of their uncle and they pull out his brain and his eyeballs and like somehow cast some spell to bring him back to life, sort of. <laughs> but he's like in a jar and then they try to awaken some sort of Egyptian goddess for some reason. Okay. And to do that, they have to do do all this weird stuff. They first of all, the diner is a vegetarian diner, which I think is really funny. And one of the the patrons, his name's Vitamin. <laughs> all right. Uh, it's just a weird ass movie. Uh, one of the one really funny thing that happens at the beginning <laughs> that just kind of just sets the mood for everything. They're digging up their uncle, and the the the, the cemetery night watchman finds them and the one brother conks the, the the guard on the head with a shovel and he hits him so hard that the guy's eyeballs pop out of his head what? <laughs> and it's so it's just so funny because it's you're just like oh okay this is the kind of movie we're about to see here it's a weird ass movie uh it sounds very but so we're like why are they so they're trying to get it to restore an Egyptian goddess. Yeah, and then they're what they're trying to do is they're kind of they're trying to put their grand or their uncle's soul, I guess, into this Egyptian goddess okay. for some reason. And to do so, first they have to kill they have to kill a whole bunch of women, and then they take different body parts from those women and kind of sew them together like a like a Frankenstein a Frankenstein's monster type thing and then after that they have to complete the ritual by having this feast and they have to prepare this very specific meal for this feast yeah so they have to go around and collect different body parts and things like that to to make this meal this feast and then they have to get all these people involved so there's this gay club that they frequent and they uh feed everyone like appetite enhancers and they all get really hungry at this nightclub and then they start eating this stew made up of body parts and then the people i guess get there's some sort of spell that get cast on them they turn green and then they just start eating each other randomly they sort of turn into zombies almost but then the when the goddess awakens she has this giant mouth in her stomach 
and she eats people through the mouth and her stomach. What in God's name is going on? But she can also like shoot lightning from her hands, and she just she just randomly kills people with her lightning hands. Like she picks random people out of the audience and kills them with her lightning that comes from her hands. It's a weird ass movie. It is a weird ass movie. It makes no sense. Yeah, I I recommend it because it's just so strange and out there. Eighties were a weird time, weren't they? Yes. Absolutely. It's a it's a weird ass movie. A lot of a lot of kind of like rockabilly there there's this one scene too where the one brother, he's driving somewhere in a van and he sees this biker guy on the side of the road. Uh his bike broke down on the side of the road. So he, the brother runs over the biker guy, but the biker guy doesn't die and he gets back up. And of course he's a fat he's a fat biker too, so it's even funnier because he's fat. Uh, so there's a minute long scene of this guy running over and backing up and running over and just keep, he keeps running over this guy over and over and he survives for some reason. And it's like, why did you dedicate so much time to this? I, I don't understand. And then there's a scene where they're trying to get into this, the club and the bouncer is giving him a problem. So they just like grab the bouncer and throw him out into the middle of the street and he lands on the ground and there's a car that's pulling up that has hydraulics and the car, the tire lands on top of the bouncer and destroys his head, smashes his head. And I was like, holy shit, they just killed that guy. And the, the people in line to get into the club, they start laughing and clapping. It's like, <laughs> Whoa, this guy just got killed. <laughs> that is not the reaction you you should you all should be having in this situation. Damn, this club sounds. Damn, it's called Dread. I think the the club is called Dread. Dread. It's that a weird, sounds. It's a weird ass insane. movie. I definitely recommend checking it out because it's uh it's just strange, 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 strange. Blood Diner. Blood Diner. None of what you just said about that movie makes any sense to me, which oddly enough makes me really want to see it. Yeah, I recommend <laughs> it. Uh, another one that I watched, this was on No Budge, and this one didn't make much sense either. It's called New Cops, which uh, it's kind of like a one of those short feature type things, like 52 minutes, 54 minutes, somewhere in the 50 range. Uh, it's just a just absurdity all around uh essentially just the 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 filmmaker he's the the main character timothy morton he is uh he's just a guy not really doing anything with his life and uh he does he's not exactly sure what's going on with his girlfriend hasn't seen her for a while can't get a hold of her and he's he's starting to think that she's she's with somebody else and so you have three things going on here in this movie you have one is just him kind of doing nothing except for his friend comes and stays with him for a little bit. And his friend gets him into all sorts of odd things where he just pretty much goes around and collects garbage and sells it on Craigslist. And he has this like uh coupon scam that he's got going on at Kroger's and other places. And when main character takes some naps or goes to sleep, he has this uh lives in this fantasy world where he's the president of the United States, but it doesn't really look any different. He's just he's just referred to as the president, but it looks a lot like his real life, and he doesn't really do anything 
there either. He's just the president though. But he does hire a guy to try and find his girlfriend. And the what the 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 name of the film where it comes from is he also him and his buddy watched this show called New Cops, which makes this the fake show that they watch makes no sense to me whatsoever. And they just show clips here and there. But I want to see this show so badly because it makes no sense. I'm instantly intrigued because I don't, they're new cops, but I don't know if they're actually cops because the one guy, the main guy in the show is always in a bathrobe Hmm. and they're always doing it. Yeah. And they're talking about the avian flu for some reason and the dick flu. And I don't know exactly what's going on in the show, but it seems like a good time. Hmm. And it's just, it has its moments. I'll give you that. And it has a, they have a pretty good eye for absurdity, but and it's even they bill it as like a labor of laziness. It's been made over like a couple of years and they just kind of threw it together, which you can definitely tell. And it kind of works in its favor because it kind of plays into the absurdity of all of it. But at the same time, it does does kind of have a feel of like just a couple of guys dicking around with the camera at times. So it's like a like a light recommend. Number one, because it's not that much time and it is pretty entertaining and it is pretty funny. So it's like a light recommend on New Cops, which you can watch for free on No Budge. All right. Check it out. I'm probably going to watch this because uh, we, well, I don't want to say anything. Yeah, I'll probably be watching this one uh, maybe this week. Maybe I'll even try to fit it in today. Hey, hey. Because I saw the trailer for it and I was like, yeah, that looks pretty funny. Yeah. And that's that's pretty much as I imagine that's going to be your reaction while watching it. <laughs> hey, this is pretty funny. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? But it's it's kind of like at the end of the day when you're like, oh, okay, it wasn't overly hilarious. But at the same time, you're like, it was under an hour and it's just like thrown together over a couple, over the course of a couple of years. You know, you can't really be that upset by it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, that's New Cops. I saw The Decline of Western Civilization directed by, this is from 1981. It's directed by... Penelope Spheris, who... This is, this is also on Fandor, I think. Yes, this is on Fandor. I watched this on Fandor. Uh, so this is uh, basically... It's a very, f- very famous documentary about the, the punk scene in Los Angeles uh, in 1979 and 1980. So she filmed this over the course of one year, and it, it's, it's sort of like a concert documentary a, a little bit. It, the way the way that she does is she kind of interviews different bands that were around in LA during this time, and then sh- it'll have like maybe two or three songs from each each band, and have like a live performance from each. Uh, it's really well put together. I was kind of surprised. I I really liked how this was shot because she also interviews uh, fans, like like uh, f- people from the audience and things like that, and. It's just this really, it kind of works as a time capsule film where it's, it's almost like, um, kind of reminded me of like a heavy metal parking lot where it was just this, you can go back. This is going to be a film that stands up. Like people are going to watch this 50 years from now when they're trying to, to research, you know, the history of music and stuff. It, Cause it just so perfectly encapsulates the, the time period and, and, everything that was going on with the, 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 the surge in punk music during this time. And uh, it's got some, uh, got some great performances in here. We've got some Black Flag, like early early Black Flag. 
uh, Circle Jerks, uh, Fear, Germs, uh, back when uh, Pat Smear was uh, was in the Germs, before he did his little Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters action. Foo Fighters. Uh, so, good performances. I'm a huge fan of, of punk music, so this was one that I've been meaning to watch for a really long time, and just finally got around to watching it and uh yeah it's it's uh it's definitely good i mean i yeah, think i'm kind of surprised that you haven't seen this before i know i know it's this it's, is like such your wheelhouse i know yeah it's it's been on my watch list forever so i was finally i was scrolling through fandor and uh, i was looking to continue my um 52 films by women list and this this came up, and I was like, "All right, yeah, let's do it." Um, I guess I can just transition that into. I watched part three also, so I, yeah. I watched the Decline of Western Civilization part three. This came out in 1998. I, I did not watch part two because that's all about heavy metal, and I watched that huge, hugely long anthology on the history of heavy metal last year. So I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> like. I, I I'm know done. It. Like I'm, I'm done with the whole metal thing. I never, I don't really even like heavy metal that much. So, um, this one is interesting. Part three doesn't follow the bands as much as it does the the punk culture and how it's kind of evolved from you know the early '80s to the late mid the the mid '90s. Uh, I think what is it? I can't remember what year this takes place. I think it's um like 96, like mid 90s, somewhere in there. And it kind of just follows around the a, a group a, a big group of homeless punks that live in LA. They're all they're all young too. They're all like 16, 17 years old. And it kind of uh, explores the whole gutter punk movement where I mean, which is still a thing. Like uh you know, I live by St. Mark's, which is a really famous street and there's still gutter punks that live on St. Mark's where they just sleep on the streets. You you probably see them if you live in any if you live in New York or LA. It's like they're always wearing their their punk garb and they always have inevitably one of them will have a dog with them. <laughs> but uh so she kind of follows around this this group of gutter punks. I don't think they like to be called that, but <laughs> uh but yeah, part three was it was eh, I guess it was just as good. I, I I think I liked them equally. They they definitely had a different message. I think that the the third part was more the first part was more a look at the music itself and the kind of philosophies and the 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 ethos behind the music. And then the the third part it explores that, but it, it looks more at the the kind of backstory of these kids and looks at homelessness as well because all these kids are obviously homeless yeah um so i think that both both parts are are well worth checking out it's interesting to see how little things change in that amount of time uh one thing that slightly annoyed me about part three was that you constantly hear penelope spheris like asking ridiculous questions and kind of like butting in and getting involved and mm. it's just it gets really annoying because you you never see her but 
you just imagine that it's this kind of like older kind of motherly, like straight laced motherly figure behind the camera. That's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> and, it, and it's just, I don't know. It kind of felt weird at times. It didn't feel like it was a, a cinema verite fly on the wall type thing. Yeah. It felt like she was kind of looking after all of these kids at times. But I mean, it was, it's still well worth a look and it's pretty sad. Uh, but yeah, uh, just if you're interested, all three of the, the decline films are on Fandor. So if you have Fandor, you can watch all three of them. We're essentially just a commercial for Fandor. Yes, basically. Because <laughs> my, my last movie that I want to mention is also <laughs> on Fandor. Uh, uh, I, well, I watched another Criterion, and that's Mike Lee's Life is Sweet from 1990, which um, is, is, I honestly could have watched this movie forever. These characters are just so fantastic and so fun to watch. And it's wonderful in the sense that there's not really much going on in this movie. There's not really like a plot to it. It's just people living their days. Um, but it's so damn funny and fun. But at the same time, and Mike Lee is so great at doing this. <clears throat> not only is it fun and entertaining and humorous and stuff to watch these people and everyone feels so natural and the, the banter and the interactions and the chemistry. I mean, it's just, it's all through the roof. But the way in which he's able to just like transition between, you know, being in the middle of like a funny comedic bit and then all of a sudden it just turning, you know, this twinge with sadness or, you know, it becomes tragic or something like that. It's just I don't know if there's anyone else that does it quite as well as he does. And that's what he does in this movie. And I mean, it is just seamless transitions between the tones. It's just unbelievable. And you keep expecting like something something to happen like uh, you know for, like a, a plot to be injected into this and it it never does you're just spending time with these people mm. and you are get, like Jim Broadbent is fantastic to watch uh Timothy Spall's character in this movie is utterly ridiculous his <laughs> the clothes that he wears he wears a big uh San Francisco Giants bomber jacket <laughs> and sweatpants <laughs> and like He's got like high tops on. He's ridiculous. And he's opening up this fresh French rock with like the absolute worst menu you've ever heard in your life. Um, and he's just an all around, just bizarre character and the way in which he talks. Yeah, he, I mean, he's just ridiculous. He's absolutely ridiculous. I don't have to watch this. But, oh my God. You'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> uh, it, Jim Broadbent's wife in this movie played by, uh, Allison's, Stedman, she's just, she's fantastic. The way that she just reacts to everyone throughout this throughout this movie, it's just oh my god, I could watch it forever. I love these characters so much. Yeah, this uh, this seems like a good Sunday afternoon watch. Oh my goodness, yeah. I think I'll have to check that. Kind of uh, on the pretty much opposite spectrum of, of uh, like happy and sweet and fun is... Uh, a uh, documentary I watched called The Advocate for Fagdom. Okay. Uh, this is directed by Angelique Bosio. It's a documentary about Bruce LaBruce, the director. Yeah. Uh, you're familiar with Bruce LaBruce, right? We had we actually had Ryan watch one of his movies on Ryan I, I, I know. 
I know of. I haven't seen any of his movies, though. I've only seen, I think, one of his movies. I saw Auto or Up With Dead People. Those are the only, the only other ones I saw. So Bruce LaBruce is this, uh, he's kind of the Canadian John Waters. That's uh, a lot of people refer to him as the Canadian John Waters. He's this uh, underground filmmaker. He, he, he's one of these guys that blurs the lines between porn and art. He likes, uh, he likes extremes. Like there's a lot of his movies have unsimulated gay sex in them. And, uh, it's, uh, a lot of his movies are kind of shocking. Like, uh, I think I can't remember what, hold on. Let me look at, look up the name of the movie. Cause I can't remember. In one of his movies, he has a, uh, there's a scene where someone's jerking off onto Mein Kampf. Oh, okay. I, I don't know what to think about this guy. Like, I don't particularly like his movies, at, at least from the clips that I've seen. No skin off my ass. That's the... That's the name of the movie where the guy jerks off onto Mein Kampf. Like I don't think his movies are particularly are are particularly good, but I also kind of respect the guy for just doing his own thing. And he's kind of the one who is largely credited with the the whole um, what's it called Homocore movement. And this documentary just kind of goes over his work and his philosophies, and it talks to uh, other other people like John Waters and Harmony Korine and Gus Van Zandt who are who are like fans of his work and I didn't one interesting thing that I found out was that uh, it was Kurt Cobain who kind of got Bruce LaBruce known kind of got his name on the map because Kurt Cobain saw one of his uh, early movies and was like a big fan and he told Gus Van Zant that he was a, a big fan of this guy Bruce LeBruce, and that that kind of got his name out there. Hmm. Would have so, never guessed that. Yeah, it was uh, just kind of an interesting little tidbit that I learned from this documentary. It's an okay documentary. Uh, if you're not familiar with Bruce LeBruce or you're interested to learn about Bruce LeBruce, I'd say check it out. Um, but as far as the the documentary itself, it's it's fine. It's just your pretty typical talking head stuff lots of clips from his movies uh if you're if you don't want to see uh unsimulated gay sex then i'd say avoid it <laughs> but if you don't mind seeing little clips of that stuff uh well maybe worth checking out see to see what uh expose yourself to if you like harmony corinne and john waters you know the, these types of directors that are that are kind of pushing the boundaries then uh, Bruce the Bruce may may might want to check him out. Get on that Bruce the Bruce, Bruce the Bruce. That's such a great name. Yeah, Love that name. Uh, it, it's funny because there's like f- there's like five different meanings behind the name Bruce the Bruce, which I take it they go over in the documentary. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> like he he grew up in his name is his first name really is Bruce. <sighs> But then he also grew up in Bruce County, so it's like Bruce of Bruce County. Oh. That's that's one version. The other one is that uh, like a lot of gay people are named Bruce, so he wanted to be like the. Uh, actually, I don't know if his first name is Bruce. Now that I think about it, <laughs> I don't know if his name really is Bruce. Now it is. Yeah, he made it happen. Yeah. Either way, it's 
slightly interesting. I don't know if I will ever be actively seeking out any of his other movies, though. I think Auto or Up With Dead People is enough. And just watching the clips from, like, what one of the other ones that he did was called Hustler White. <laughs> and it was just about this these, like, prostitutes wearing white jeans. <laughs> uh, that sounds interesting. To build an entire film around that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, oh. I don't know. Okay, I watched uh, Straight Out of Compton. Oh, okay. Checked out Straight Out of Compton, which I was confused because a lot of people said that this was good, and it's awful. Oh, I didn't think it was awful. It's a straight up terrible movie. It's just bad, and I can't believe that this. Like the number one thing that's terrible about this movie, like everything else, is just kind of like the acting's pretty good. I'll give you that. The acting's pretty good. I enjoyed the acting. Um, cinematography's serviceable. It's all right. Um, but the worst aspect of this movie is the writing, which is why it gets nominated for an Oscar. But holy shit, the writing in this movie is god-awful. It's just so bad. Um, now, I already was going to have a little bit of trouble going into this one because of the, you know, going in knowing that they're not going to discuss or even allude to or, you know, anything of... Dr. Dre and how, you know, his violence towards women and everything, which, okay, I already kind of knew that going into Well, they do allude to it. They do briefly allude to it during that one scene when he kicks the, kicks that one girl out of the part, the the hotel. Yeah, yeah. That's the only ref that, like, even slight reference. Yeah, but. But what do you expect when the movie's like basically made by them? That's what I mean. I I know that they have a lot of input into it, so obviously it's going to be a little revisionist going in. But holy shit, like he, outside of as bad as the omission of him, his like domestic violence and everything, but the way in which he's framed in this movie is just ridiculous. I mean, the little bits that he does have of interacting with women are all just ridiculous and unnecessary. Like where he like uh, approaches that one girl at their wet and wild party. And he's like, oh, are you leaving? Like it's a small interaction. And then like a little bit later on in the movie, he's like, they're out on a date. And he's like, oh, you, you want to call me up to your room? She's like, no, my son's the most important thing. And then it just ends there. It's like, oh, poor, poor Dre just can't get a break. Like in the beginning where he's like, his uh his girl leaves with with their kid and he's just like oh you got to be patient i'm just working trying to make this money and then even all the interactions with suge he's incessantly appalled just absolutely appalled by suge knight's behavior like oh my goodness what did i get myself into (laughs) and then even they even have like he gives a fucking rousing speech like while they're and i mean they make cartoonish where it's like dog fighting they have a guy with his and nothing but tidy whities forcing a guy to give it like a, a toast and dr dre's got to come in and be like you guys are ridiculous it's just and it's like come on you didn't have to ramp it up to 11 man jesus but the first thing that kind of that i knew that this was going to be bad is when he he gets out of jail and he's on the steps and whatever and he's talking about you know they gotta get they gotta do something with this music man and he just like flat out says to easy he's like what, what, what would you call? What would you call something like that? What would you call it? What name would you give? And during this whole scene, it's just cut back and forth, back and forth. But when he asks that question, it goes to handheld. And we take 
our good old fucking time looking over at Eze, essentially saying like, "Yeah, Eze, what would you call it?" <laughs> Eze's like ruthless. It's like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. And then even like the way that they end it, where Suge's like, "Yeah, what are you gonna call your record label?" <laughs> it's like close up. He's like, "Aftermath," and then it's like, "Boom!" Roll credits. It's like, are you are you shitting me? This is ridiculous. And then them, you know, them getting harassed outside of thing, and then it comes in, cute, just all of a sudden, boom! He's he wrote fuck the police yeah like in a, matter, in a matter of like one minute he's just like look guys i got a new song <laughs> it's like are you kidding me i know it's a lot to like jam into one movie but oh my goodness it's all handled so poorly i mean it's still it's still exciting because naturally it's a good story you know they're right but it's it's an over glamorized like behind the music really it's like a VH1 reenactment. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'd say it's a little bit higher, uh, a little bit of a higher production value than a v, like a made-for-TV movie. But yeah, um, there's a really funny trailer. <laughs> yeah, just that they they recut it. Yeah, where it's only Paul Giamatti, <laughs> and they put in the inspiring music. <laughs> that's the that's the Oscar the Oscar trailer. <laughs> That's amazing. It is because it's true. But yeah, I mean, it was just—it was terrible. I thought it was just terrible. It's a shame. I remember liking it. I remember. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I have the proof to back it up. I'm pretty sure that when I talked about this on the show, I said I don't understand why I didn't like it as much as everybody else. Pretty sure. I think you might be right because I think I do remember you kind of talking about them maybe having a bit too much input. Because I mean, he—they make Doctor Trey look like he just can't catch a break, and he's just the greatest guy ever, and he's just trying to do his thing. He's just trying to work, man. He's in the booth with Tupac. He's just grinding. Everyone else is fucking up constantly, man. It's just ridiculous. Well, they're already working on a sequel, so. And then it was <laughs> my other favorite thing was like to throw in that Ice Cube's working on Friday. He's just sitting at his little laptop. He's like. You got knocked the fuck oh, out. Oh, God, yeah. This is funny. And she's like, how's Friday coming? Like, Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> like, who wrote this? Oh, my God. It, it reminds me, I've been, well, I tried, I attempted to watch the that American Crime Story, the O.J. Simpson uh, series that's on FX right now. Yeah. Because people are, people are hyping that up, like. Critics are liking it. Lots of people are talking about it. And I'm like, all right, I'll check this out. And I'm like, what is this? This is the worst crap. Like, all it is is like, like, hey, hey, this is this is uh, Kim Kardashian when she was like a little kid. And, and it's what? just like, uh, because OJ Simpson was like friends with her with Robert Kardashian. Yeah. And when he was kind of like right when he when he was kind of hiding out. <clears throat> when all the shit was going down, he was staying at their house. Oh, okay. So like, and he's actually OJ Simpson is actually the godfather of um <laughs> the Kardashian girls. Well, that's like unfortunate. Him. Yeah, and that's one of the things that made them semi-famous at the beginning before they became like super famous. So anyway. that's, uh, I shouldn't check out the 
OJ Simpson. No, it's terrible. God, I don't understand why everybody's loving it. It's so bad. It's just nonstop references like, oh, remember this? Remember this? Like, oh, this is the, these are the Kardashians again. Hey, like there's there's way too much Kardashian. They're like four-year-old, or not four, they're like 10-year-old girls. And it's like they have so, so little to do with this story. And it's yeah, like, why are they in it so much? But they're the only ones that are relevant right now. That's why. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, oh, I watched. Uh, so yesterday was my wife's birthday and she wanted to watch a movie. So you're thinking, right, it's your birthday. You're thinking you're going to like rewatch a favorite or you're going to watch a fun movie, comedy, something. So it's like, what do you want to watch? It's your birthday. You get to pick. What do you want to see? And she wanted to watch The Look of Silence, which seems like an odd choice for a birthday movie. Yeah. To me. Yeah. But we ended up watching The Look of Silence, which is on Netflix Instant now. That's where we saw this. Um, this was, oh my goodness, I don't understand like how to even discuss this. It's just the amount of like brainwashing that took place in this country. It's just unbelievable. Like every single person he interviews, they, I mean, they, they say like the same thing. It's like they have quotes just ready to go. I mean, every single person is like, the past is the past. Just leave it be. Yeah. It's or, you know, they, they try and fame it like, oh, you're talking about politics now. Stop talking about politics. I don't like to talk about politics. But and the fact that they killed all of these people and the, the way in which the country was able to get you know, it's citizens to do all the work for them and just being over, you know, the army's just like kind of overseeing it, but not actively getting involved because then it would have been, it would have been much bigger than what it was. And just the way that they recount these things and they show like no regret whatsoever because in their minds, they think that they're fucking heroes and it's just insane because of communism, because they thought these people were communists. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't even know what to say. Between this and the act of killing, it's just, none of it makes sense to me. And I just essentially just sit there, like, with my jaw open as far as it can be, just dead-eyed, just screaming inside my head. Because I can't wrap my head around it. I haven't been able to uh, bring myself to watch this one yet. (sighs) I fully intend too i just i can't i can't find the right it's never going to be the right time i know no, it's never gonna be. and just the way in which it's framed it i mean one of the one of the survivors uh his brother was murdered before he was born he was born like two years later after his brother was murdered and he 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 goes joshua oppenheimer takes him to the people that killed his brother and he essentially interviews them and tries to the he just wants to see if they have like any ounce of regret because he thinks that at least if they if they realize what they've done and they show some regret, then he might be able to forgive them. But the way they which they respond to him is just it's unbelievable. And he has, you know, they a lot of the shots of are, are just him sitting in a chair watching like footage that he gathered from, I guess, the act of killing or you know, the other movies that he's been working on. So he's just, he's just sitting there watching 
these people recount the way in which they killed his brother. And it is. Whew. Yeah, I can imagine. They, like, they, they fucking, like, they're just laughing the whole time. Like, it's the greatest thing they've ever done in their life. Yep, it's uh, it's it's crazy. Just the whole situation that that occurred over there is just crazy. It, well, it doesn't make any sense to me. I can't wrap my head around it. It's also crazy that it's not more widely known. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah. why is this not? Why is this not like a big? Like, they're they're not teaching it in schools or anything. You know, like, why why is that? I well, feel like even, this is an important it, thing that we need to. Like, they even yeah. showed too, because uh, the the guy that's going around and meeting with the, the people that killed his brother, he has two kids, and they actually have footage of his his uh, his oldest son while he's in the classroom, and like what he's being taught about this this period in the, in their history and the communists and everything, and everything that he's being taught about it, and then it's followed up by you know he's kind of recounting it to his dad, and his dad's kind of telling him the truth of what actually happened. It's just like the way in which they frame it is just, you know, it's, a, you know, it's the best thing they've ever done in the history of their country. I have a feeling that over, I think that'll fade over time. I think uh, they'll realize at some point that, you know, this is this is an awful thing. I bet it was the same way. I bet the same thing happened in Germany. Like, I bet for a while they, you know, either didn't talk about it or you know, tried to spin it or something like that. And now, and now they, you know, fully, fully, uh, like cop to it. That's actually one interesting thing that they talk about in where to invade next. Yeah. Oh, look at silence. My goodness. And then with the, the, the craziest thing that happens is they have this superstition. The, the people that, that, you know, killed all these quote unquote communists is that what they had to do is they had to drink the blood of the people they killed so that they wouldn't go insane because if you don't drink their blood, then you go crazy and you're not going to be able to survive what you're doing. So these guys are just like, yeah, we, you know, filled up a glass and just, you had to drink their blood. That way I wouldn't go crazy. And they're just saying it like it was completely normal. Well, that's interesting. They didn't talk about that in the act of killing. No. And there's even one, the guy's like sitting there with his daughter and he's recounting everything. And and the guy looks at her, he's like, did you know that, your dad like drank the blood of his victims and she's like no i didn't know that that's kind of disturbing it's like holy fucking shit yeah yeah it's like the most disturbing thing ever yeah but they kind of they like they talk about it like it's just it's hard science like that's what you have to do like if you're killing a whole bunch of people you got to drink their blood or you're gonna go crazy (laughs) and they even like numerous times they're like thank god i drank their blood that way i didn't go crazy Oh God! All right. So that's how we celebrated her birthday. Yeah, sounds like a uh, all right. It's a choice. Yeah. Okay. And that's all. That's all I got. That's all I got. All right. All right. Uh, let's talk about some predictions. Last week, gods of Egypt. Ooh. You said five. I said eighteen. Actual thirteen. Ooh. Triple nine. You said sixty-four. I said sixty-two. Actual fifty-four. Okay. And Eddie the Eagle, you said 52, I said 46, actual 73. Wow, really? Yeah. Still not going to go see it. No, never. But good on him. Uh, next week we have uh, uh, London Has Fallen. 
London Has Fallen looks like one of those fake movies that I, would show up in another movie, like that they would be watching yeah. on TV. You know what I mean? Yeah, of like, course. This is not a real movie. How is this a real movie? I have yet to even see a trailer for this. So, uh, and is I, this a sequel? Yes. Yeah. To the what was the other one called? Olympus. Olymp- yeah, yeah, Olympus. Is, Olympus is fallen. Didn't that one bomb? I don't think it was. Now there were two that came out. There were yeah, two. There was two. The, there was a Channing Tatum one, wasn't there? Yeah, there was a Channing Tatum one, and then there was the other one. One was a Roland Emmerich, but I don't remember which one. Hmm. Uh, yeah, this, well, he, uh, he, <laughs> this movie looks so terrible. Either way, uh, this one does not look good. That's uh, two two Gerard Butler movies in two weeks. Yeah, he's killing it, killing it in the in the choice February month. He uh, is like one of the worst. Like all of his movies are just terrible. Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna say 23 on this one. I'm gonna say four. All right. We also have Knight of Cups, the new. Terry Malick movie. Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> oh boy! What, what do you think about this one? Are you excited for this one? Uh yes and no. I mean, it looks amazing, but his trailers always make it look. I know, I, like I, just like the greatest thing you're ever going to experience in your life. I think and, every Terrence Malick movie should be three minutes show? long max, <laughs> <laughs> and then it, he would be the best director ever, and he would have the best movies ever if they were all three minutes long. He's the greatest short film director yeah. in the entire world. Um, but I have a feeling that this is going to have a lot of great poetry in it, by which I mean awful. Well, you can, I mean, even the trailer has it, so you yeah. know it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Plus the subject matter at hand. It's just, it's going to be awful. Um, well, I imagine we're going to be reviewing this next week, so. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say like a, like a, 68 68 all right uh i'll say i'll say 59 on this one we also have whiskey tango foxtrot uh the tina fey the tina fey one not not so sure about this one i'll say 62 say 54 i might check it out might be good for chuckle chuckle or two chuckle or two Zootopia is the last wide release. This is the this Disney. I think it's Disney. Yeah, it is. It's Disney. Uh, it's the Disney Animation Studios or whatever. The guys, the team behind Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, doing this right. one. I'm I'm mildly interested in this. There are a couple funny bits in the trailer. So, what are you thinking on the Zootopia? Zootopia. Uh, I'm gonna say. 78. All right. Oh, man, it's like a city of animals wearing clothes. I'll uh, say, uh, wearing a suit? Yeah. What? I'll say 81 on that one. Looks funny. I think it'll be enjoyable. I'm I'm a little more I'm a little more interested in the uh what is it? The secret live lives of pets or something like that. The I think it's a dream, uh, not DreamWorks, but the people behind the Minions, Illumination or whatever. Oh, okay. That that movie looks interesting because I'm a, I'm a dog guy. So. Dogs. By the way, the show, the new HBO show Animals, uh, I don't know if you've heard of that. It's an animated show from uh, the Duplass brothers. No. 
Look it up. It's all about animals living in New York City. And uh, the last week's episode was all about dogs, and it was freaking fantastic. It was so funny. It's a great show. Every every episode is about a different animal living in New York. So you'll have like rats. Uh, there's a cat one, which was I do I do funny. like the, like the little synopsis just says a rat invents pants, <laughs> which that's going to be. I think I that's, need to see that. Yeah, that's this week's episode. I think the episode is going to be airing this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good show. I'm definitely into it. Uh, in limited release next week, we have Emily. That's a, a horror movie that I quite liked. I saw this last year at Tribeca. So it's been almost a year since I've seen that. But I think I want to watch it again. It's about a, a babysitter that turns out to be pretty evil. Oh, man. She's got some ulterior motives with these kids. And she does some dark things. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I'd recommend checking that out. The Other Side of the Door. That's a horror movie, but I'm not sure what, what's going on in it. Road Games. That's a it's horror horror thriller that I'm actually pretty interested in checking out. Ava's Possessions, another horror movie that I'm actually really interested in. It, it's all just horror movies. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of horror movies coming out next week, and I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, Ava's Possessions looks really interesting. After we're done recording, you should check out a trailer for this one. Uh, it's sort of like uh, this. So it's like this girl who is she was possessed by a demon but she doesn't remember like what happened while she was possessed so it's sort of like uh like the hangover in a way but it was she was possessed by a demon so she's trying to figure out like what what happened when she was possessed okay all right uh it looks it looks uh really weird and kind of surreal yeah it sounds interesting yeah i'm i'm uh i'm definitely gonna be checking that out um i think there was couple other ones the wave that's a disaster it's a disaster film and then cemetery of splendor <gasps> oh my god all right somebody's i'm gonna see, ex- see it so bad somebody's excited about cemetery <laughs> of splendor i would see it so bad pitch pong pitch pong we receptacle oh. <laughs> uh can't wait can't wait to get some of that next week on video on demand pull up my list a lot of the limited ones that I just mentioned are going to be on there. Why is my calendar? Oh, there it is. Uh, we have The Wave, Road Games, Emily, Ava's Possessions, and Dirty Singles. Okay. On Tuesday, a film called Term Life comes out as well. So it's starting to, uh, starting to get up there with the VOD releases. 2016's in full swing, so we're starting to get see more of those come out. Blu-ray next week, we have uh, a Blu-ray release of the 1982 film Pieces. I, I started watching this actually just a few weeks ago, but I fell asleep. But I was really digging what I was watching before I, before I fell asleep. <laughs> it's a really messed up slasher movie. Creed. Uh, haven't wa- I haven't seen Creed yet. Everybody's like, oh, good, go see Creed. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to Creed. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to check it out hopefully this week. Just because everybody's going. You're going to ape shit for Creed. Love it, Creed, dude. Uh, Room. Oh, my God. That fuck. Nah, I'm not going to bother with that one. I missed it, and I'm not going to not gonna circle back for that one. <laughs> That's just it. 
That's uh, Legend. That's the Tom Hardy one. Yeah. Yes. Which else doesn't look good. No, no. I have a, an award screener for that, and I just never bothered. Uh, Youth. Oh. I don't know if that's a re-release or not. I don't, that, that might be a re-release, actually, now that I'm looking at it. Um, man, a lot of 4K movies coming out. The The Boy is getting a Blu-ray release. That's the... Not the new one about the doll. It's the, the other one that came out in 2015 about the the young child who is becoming a serial killer. Gotcha. The better one, I think. The better probably. one. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I'm seeing on here. Mm-hmm. A lot of, like I said, a lot of 4K releases coming out. So if you have a 4K TV... You can enjoy The Last Witch Hunter, Salt, San Andreas, Chappie, Salt. Expendables 3. <laughs> there's, it's, there's so many great 4K movies that you can check out. Salt. <laughs> Salt. I about Salt. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anything on the Criterion front? There is nothing. Nothing, huh? Nothing. They're taking a week off. Not quite sure, but oh. taking that week off. All right. Uh, in that case, I think that'll wrap it up for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. That's how we uh, keep the show running, and we appreciate any support you could throw our way. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you next week.